Allie, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Oh my. Thank you. You It's as our well, first Brett. episode recording remotely. This is wild. I know. It's bizarre. It's like, I hope I'm still able to just, you know. <laughs> Though I'll say, if anything, I feel like I'm having maybe more eye contact with you now that you're on a screen in front of me versus when you're just seated across the table from me in studio not me oh no <laughs> I'm, I, you're just like so small on my phone but i'm tr- also it's like you're maybe i should put you like eye level with me off the bat i do want to ask because you're home for the holidays you're where connecticut i'm sorry not to like go full like elon musk twitter and dox your location in real time <laughs> but you're banned from the podcast no, I, well i know i promised that i wouldn't ban anyone <laughs> I was going to ask you, does the word snidely mean anything to you? Oh, I take it you saw my TikTok. I saw your TikTok. Were you impressed? Scrabble champion. I have, I just want to say for the record, I have never, my mom is actually the Scrabble champion, but yesterday was a huge triumph because I got the triple word and used all seven of my letters at the same time so i got a 103 point word and that word was snidely and i do feel like it was appropriate for the way in which Uh i what i was Mm -hmm. snide you know and uh no it was such a heroic moment for me and tiktok agrees and it's been it's been a hilarious 24 hours i've only been here for like a day my little my littlest stepsister was also here for a day and like there's a part of me that's like don't speak honestly about your stepsister but well because i was gonna say i I heard a story that i was gonna i was gonna bring up and hopefully get you to tell if not it's fine but something about a shopping trip to trader joe's well so that's a legendary story about uh let's give her an alias let's call her silky not um, Silky, not Meg Ganache. We love her. No, we love her. This is a different Silky. Anyways, I have a little stepsister, Silky, and there is a infamous story about a, a trip to Trader Joe's that we once took that blew me out of the water because it's just like, you know, we were raised by different parents and sometimes that really, you know, who she is just conflicts with who I was raised sure. to be in, in a way that is shocking to say the least. But actually, I got a new story for you that I think exemplifies a similar tr- like characteristic. Okay. I mean, the, the Trader Joe's story is is old news. You know, we went to Trader Joe's and she filled a cart like beyond full, like overflowing, like do you, like just to like $300 worth of groceries like just like she was her. a contestant on chopped just... running through the pantry Got yes it. yes okay, or yeah. um supermarket sweep it was just like insane and so funny in retrospect because like you know you cope with pain through humor but <laughs> at the time it was like it was it was challenging my very the very fiber of my being but anyways yesterday so fucking funny we went for asian fusion okay Fusion style. with what? What's the fusion? <laughs> Chinese and okay, Japanese. Okay, okay. And we went out to eat and, you know, I don't know about you, but like if I'm going to a Chinese restaurant, we're sharing dishes. Yeah, we're, like, we're who, ordering what, the menu get, and we're having everything. Yeah, what? I'm going to get my own sesame right. chicken. Like, no, I want a little sesame chicken. I want a little chicken broccoli. I want a little pork fried rice. I want ribs. I want double. I want a little of everything. That's the Naturally, way we do yeah. it. Naturally. Um, we also got some sushi because what the hell. Anyways, we're ordering and he was like, sorry. Silky. <laughs> 
Silky. Silky was like, I think I'm just going to have the chicken and broccoli. And we're like, because my brother, sorry, my brother is also here. And I, God, I yeah. love my brother. Like, I just have a, I think I have a bias for my brother. And he's so sweet. Like, you know, he's 30 years old, but he's a very simple person and kind of has like the brain of like a 15 year old or younger. And like, it's just. Anyways, you just have to know that going into okay. the story. So my brother is like, can we get chicken and broccoli? And my mom's like, well, let's see what everyone else wants. And and Silky is like, I think I'm going to get the chicken and broccoli. And I'm sort of like, oh, well, that's good. Two people at the table want chicken let's and broccoli. Let's get it. Yeah. Like, let's get it for the table. And then she goes, no, I think I'm just going to have that as my entree. Okay. And we're like, my, my mom, God bless her, goes, oh, let me get this straight. You don't want to share? I just want to clarify. And she was like, I just want to clarify. She's like, no. And she's like, that's the thing. She doesn't give a fuck. Right. She, she literally is just like, no, that's just for me. She's like, because I don't really want anything else that we're ordering. But also respect. So, I get I, like I've done that before. She values, I get that. <sighs> I know, and I thought of you. I was like, Brett might. And has. <laughs> I was like, Brett might. I I rarely, I don't think ever have been like, I deserve my own dish when everyone else wants to share. But she sees no problem. Anyway, so she's like, going to get the chicken and broccoli, whatever. She orders it. We eat. She doesn't finish it. But none of us could have a piece because it was right. hers. Meanwhile, like she still ate like all of the appetizers. So it's like she decides what we're sharing and what we're not sharing. Like just like this, just this entitlement that really gets under mm-hmm. my skin. And then when we're driving home, so it just so happened like we all took separate cars. Like I was with my mom. He was with. Sorry, Silky was with my stepdad and my brother took his own car because of like we were all coming from different places and we all converged at right. this point, right? So we so we all went home in different cars and I get a text message from my sweet brother going, let me pull up the exact text. Ask mom why Silky doesn't like to share her food. Oh. Sent with Siri. <laughs> He's driving. We driving. stand a safe king. <laughs> That's right. And I just like laugh so hard because it's like my brother is trying to like understand like he's trying to put together like I think he had culture yeah, like, shock. What because is it? We were Why raised... don't you want to share? Yeah. Like what is this? Yeah. Like li- is it like a religious thing? Like like literally like he doesn't un- he's looking for some type of explanation because like my brother you know he's been taught very consistently throughout his life that we you know, share. We yeah. Share. Anyways he was just like what was it? And then I saw him when we got back to the house he's like what was the deal with that i was just like it's not right and uh we don't condone it and we don't understand it and we don't yeah but it is the what it world is. So, is her oyster sauce it, <laughs> it really is you know and it's it's ironic like she thinks like some of her tiktoks are like about being an only child and it's like she literally has like but she has siblings yeah she has three siblings mm-hmm. but like she didn't really she is what like Seven years younger, six years younger than me. Oh, she's, and I'm the she's solid Gen Z, silky. She's solid Gen Z. So I guess in a sense, like you could consider her an only Like a child, one of one like, just because of her generation. Yeah. Yeah. A one of one. <laughs> I don't know who you blame. It's like I, I try so hard. I sent a picture <laughs> to my older stepsister of me cringing because I was just like, I can't. I cringe so hard. It's like, I don't know. Also, when she like, she like, I mean, I could just do a whole episode shitting on her. I mean, hot take, but I think the blame (laughs) always falls on boomers. I mean, they're the reason we can't buy avocado toast or rather we're having to choose between avocado toasts and buying a house reportedly. But not that was annoying. Yeah. I don't feel like she knows the value of a dollar. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, I mean, which, which 
is actually like the value of like fifty dollars. What a time to not, yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I it kind of feels like the dollar is like moments away from total collapse anyway. Totally. What's gonna get? What is a dollar gonna get it's you? Being held up like, by a right, hope a dollar is actually like ten cents. <laughs> by the way, in Connecticut, I'm like my I, I'm getting like full like ecstasy like like shock uh-huh. moments because I'm driving by gas stations where gas is two eighty nine. I'm like, what? Wait, should we stop and bulk up? I think like, I paid like five fifty something two days ago, and I was a steal on someone's I end mean, yeah, for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I cried, swiping my credit card. I cried. A single, a single tear rolled down and glinted off my cheek. Being an adult really is like knowing and feeling the difference between five fifty a gallon and like four it's fifty the worst. a gallon. Because it's like you can fill up your tank for fifty dollars or you can fill up your tank for eighty dollars. Like it, it you feel Painful. it. Fifty cents is a lot when you're multiplying it by fifty mm-hmm. gallons or whatever. Anyways, so that's like my connect that's my simple Connecticut life, my New England. It's really funny also to just be around like town. Yeah, well I was gonna say I I've never been to Connecticut. So I just, for, I mean, has it snowed since you've been there? It's slush. Because I kind of, and there was a little. Snow I kind there. of imagine you're in like a like a Nancy Myers movie. Mm, what's a Nancy Myers like movie? The again? Holiday or like like any yes, of those. I like am beautiful house, beautiful 100%. kitchen, like very that. I'm one hundred percent in the Holiday. Cable knit sweaters. I mean, I'm, you look very cozy. I love that <laughs> neckline on that. I think I would just pull it up around my eyes <laughs> and just like hide. <laughs> It is so funny, and but my family is still. So, I mean, not. I I like to blame everything on Silky. Silky is such a like New York elite. We love an easy target. She's my scapegoat. <laughs> She's like, honestly, like if like I hate to say it, and maybe cut this out, but like if a huge part of the population was Silky. We're currently experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. I would say that's it's it is their fault. All of our problems, mm, their yeah. fault. It's a hundred percent not. But it's fun to say that. Yeah, it's like you. There's no like racist or sexist when it's like just someone's personality you hate. Yeah, but they're like, but that should still be a thing. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like we justify hating people's personalities, but it's not justified to hate people for their race. Well, I guess because the argument could be made, it's like obviously wrong to hate and discriminate based on things that are immutable. Right. But but personalities can. You can can actually, I mean, maybe not necessarily changing like 100% of like, you know, so many of behaviors and like proclivities, I guess, are so closely linked to like those very first formative years throughout childhood. Right. So then the question is like, maybe actually it is just but i think you could probably change aspects of your personality because you can change your opinion when you're presented with new information that's better you're right having blind spots those are mutable and if only you are willing to open your eyes and be a little introspective you are capable of changing your personality and so you are justified in hating people based on their personalities however people are very hard to group 
bi personality oh, yeah. as well because everyone's shitty personality is a little nuanced. yeah i mean a, a personality is such a such a faceted thing it's like trying to look into a diamond like no two are the same they're all gonna have so many different like minor different shapes to them like even though the colors might be the same of like this person is like largely angry or this person's largely greedy or whatever it's like there's still so much it's, nuance yeah. within there it's such a composite of qualities mm-hmm. as you're saying introspection yeah. that's a good word for this holiday season this week of christmas is it i mean isn't that what leads to peace on earth is like just people taking a moment to like look in a mirror well i love that you're saying that because it's actually so uh apropos Mm -hmm. of this week's chapter where like the question is posed and i won't say how you'll find out very shortly but the question is posed is like is is humanity doomed like like are we capable of improvement or like are we actually just a dumpster fire because i could see the argument being made both ways totally i mean when i think about certain issues i mean today for for today it was you know everything going on in iran with the morality Mm -hmm. police i was just like yeah actually humanity is doomed like if that's happening and they're executing people just simply for protesting like using a voice that they were born with yeah like like maybe humanity really is doomed and maybe like this really is a failed iteration of human experience but then at the same time i do want to talk to you about the nine dimensions of reality because also we talked about not up to nine dimensions but we we talked about it in terms of someone living in the second dimension being unaware of someone living in the third dimension back in our episode that was titled the shooter and the farmer how like if you were great if you're a flat society living on a flat plane of existence and if one of us from the third dimension dropped in they wouldn't actually be able to see us but they'd hear our voices almost as if it were like the voice of god coming from their own bodies so to hear you you say the ninth dimension that kind of that kind of breaks my brain a little bit well yes same i mean remember when i was trying to like imagine what the fourth dimension looks like and you showed me that like square slash cube and like the kind tesseract of like this, the tesseract and it was like well then what's the fifth dimension well guess what start two one mission and lift off of the You are listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett. And this week, Wang goes to a secret meetup for three-body video game players. We're talking AI, the nine dimensions, and asking the question, is humanity doomed? Are we even capable of improvement? And if we can't help ourselves, who will? Energy units reporting. All systems go. Cutting units reporting. All systems go. I listened to a podcast with this guy named Matthias Stefano. Okay. It wasn't his podcast. He was a guest on the podcast. It was the Aubrey Marcus podcast. Okay. But it turns out Matthias Stefano also has his own series on the Gaia oh, network, okay. which I didn't know. So, you know, this might be a little woo-woo of a take, but because I am so hungry 
for descriptions of different dimensions. I was like, let's go. And... I mean, this could be a whole episode and it would be cool to get him on the pod. But basically, Matias de Stefano, he is this guy. He's Argentinian, uh, born in 1987. Speaking of, basically didn't Argentina just win the World Cup? They did. Like moments ago. Really also want to say Argentina is the newest country to join us in listening to the show. So Argentina, congratulations and welcome. Matias de Stefano, uh, starting at age three, could remember and recount many of his past lives mm. going back as far as 16 million years wow. ago on a planet in the serious star system. That's honestly giving. If, if you all listening are familiar, congratulations. You're one of many. But if you've never heard heard of it i would highly recommend also reading the book called many lives many masters by dr brian weiss that deals with this subject matter as well because there are numerous people on earth that recount their past and lives I also, in great detail. i just watched the amazon series the wheel of time i'm really late getting to it but it's it's very much Ooh. about that where it's sort of in the collective consciousness of the people living in this fantasy world that this life that i'm living is not and will not be my only one many have come before many will come after and it's just a matter of time before the wheel turns again and gives me a new iteration yes totally and actually i'm glad you're mentioning that because that's going to come into the nine dimensions as well and like my sort of my own personal theory in harmony with matthias de stefano's theories but yeah so there are many people on earth that you know are born remembering their past lives and matthias de stefano he talks about being in like history class as like a kid and them and him seeing like images of the great pyramids for the first time in you know in this life and immediately he has almost like this flashback where he describes like looking up at the pyramids like during his life as an ancient egyptian and he's filled with all of this like grief and sorrow and he recalls like his parents had just died and he was being like tasked with like overseeing their business and how he was very scared and he just felt very scared he was suddenly just like whoa like i just fully just went fully back to that life where like in that yeah like all those previously experienced emotions just became like unlocked for him or something totally and he talks a lot about how like you know in remembering his past lives for him personally like it, it started out like mostly as this emotional memory, mm. you know, like he couldn't just be like, OK, well, this is how the universe works. No, like he had to first remember his own like experience and like actually like grieve a lot of losses. Like he, he was like, I had I had felt so much grief for these people that like existed millions of that years were, ago, yeah. you know, and he had to like and he said he's like, I spent a lot of my teens like very sad and like had to move through a lot of that grief before I could, you know, really exploring the workings of those like societies. Teenage angst is enough. It's like how much heavier a poor guy to have to also feel like the weight of the emotions from lifetimes immeasurable that he's lived already. That What a weight. And, you know, most of his perspective on these dimensions of reality actually comes from his incarnations in the Sirius star system. Okay. So like not even on Earth in a total yeah. on a different planet in the Sirius star system, which is crazy because I've mentioned this on a previous episode as well, that cosmic 
Cosmic Trigger Mm -hmm. by Robert Anton Wilson has a lot to do with the Sirius star system and like communications from the Sirius star system. So just like the recurrence of the Sirius star system and its importance slash like recurring evidence of or like recurring instances of like civilizations having been within there. Even like there was this in in Cosmic Trigger, they talk about like this tribe in Africa that like worshipped the Sirius star system. Yes. So, anyways, like clearly there's like some there is there's some to connection. It, yeah. There's something to it. So I just wanted to go over briefly like his nine dimensions. Okay, hit me. But I'm also like, should I just should this just be a bonus episode? Here's what I think we'll do. I'm gonna just talk about some of the di- the principles of Matthias De Stefano's model of reality okay. with these nine dimensions, and you know maybe like a brief introduction to like the first. First five, but if you want to hear our full in-depth discussion on each of the nine dimensions, please subscribe to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Radar Peak. But for now, here are some of the basic principles of Matthias de Stefano's model of reality. Okay, I'm glad I'm sitting down. <laughs> okay, number one, and I think this is really big. Dimensions are perspectives not places that we can go to or come from. Okay. So like they're actually these like measures, mm-hmm. different ways of measuring the same thing. Right. Okay. So we can know which dimensional perspective we are in right now by how we can measure an that object. That makes sense. Right? Like I'm holding this pen, I'm able to measure it by its length, its width, and its yeah. height. So I mean, same with like I'm in the third a dimension. square on a piece of paper. When you give it volume, then it becomes a cube, but it's still a square. It's just a square to a square to a square because you've given it that extra third dimension of spatial volume. Okay, I'm with you so far. Right, and I'm able to like manipulate this pen only in the third dimension right. because I'm in the third right. dimension. Right. So I can change like I can change this pen structure and whatever. Like I could change its height. If I like break it in half, I can change its length. Right. So each being slash entity is able to like experience and understand and manipulate this like one reality from its own dimensional perspective. Okay. And it has nothing. This has nothing to do with spirituality. It's just measurement. Number two. Okay. We have a presence in all of the dimensions simultaneously. So, like, remember how I talk about, I mean, I've said this before, that, like, I think it's a fucking crime that, like, we're taught the five senses. And we're taught, like, these are all the senses there are. Taste, sight, touch, smell, mm-hmm. here. But, like, basically, our bodies extend into other dimensions. Sure. We're just not attuned to them. Different beings will be attuned at different points to different levels or different to different dimensions sure, okay. depending on like what it is they're doing and what their purpose is and at the at that point and that gets a little like spiritual so i'm trying to like stay away from like the spiritual side and just stay like science but these are spiritual dimensions and like i think there's a lot more evidence for there being like a unified relationship mm-hmm. between us and the universe than there is for like solitary existence right, right? and solipsism yeah. there's not a lot of evidence for like this is all there is but that's like the radical materialistic view that has stunted science this is what i was thinking about with the wheel of time so each dimension builds on the previous and grows into the next okay pretty intuitive i think it's kind of western to think of the nine dimensions as this like linear like you go from one right like a ladder you're climbing right 
It's instead really this wheel, right? Just like the the zodiac. Oh, you yeah, know, wow. like technically the start of the zodiac is Aries and the end of the zodiac is Pisces. Mm-hmm. What comes right after Pisces is Aries. So it's not really like start and finish. It's just like this is where we mark like our point of reference. Yes. But like the qualities feed into the one next right. to it, you know, and it will continue to cycle. So I feel like sort of like debunking this like linear way of thinking of the dimensions, mm-hmm. right? That like they get higher when in fact they actually just cycle, which makes a lot more sense if you look at our natural world, which is completely made up of cycles. Right. Everything. The life cycle, the menstrual cycle, the lunar cycle, yeah, literally solar cycle. Biology, everything physics, is a cycle. Chemistry, so why would everything? Why would yes. And if you believe in like as above, so below and fractals and the macro and you know, seeing the macro and the micro, like of course it follows that the dimensions too would be a cycle. Okay. I'm with you. Okay. So Matthias also emphasizes that all this is happening simultaneously. It's not really even a sequence of one happening after the okay, other. Yeah. But like that is sort of like how their qualities feed into each okay. other. That thought also kind of kind of reminds me. I It's been several weeks, but I said something about like how every experience we go through, it's important that we go through them as an act of service to our higher self, which has already experienced it, but needs us now to go through it so that it can continue to say i've experienced this it's not like our higher self is in the future our higher self is sort of maybe finding its being just at the highest form of dimensionality but our consciousness ours is unique from our highest self's consciousness and we're just here inhabiting the third i guess technically fourth dimension because we have time well it's really interesting you say that because matias de stefano does sort of like delineate like okay where does which dimension does our higher self exist and basically what i think there's this really cool graphic that we'll post on the instagram and maybe we'll talk about it on tiktok too that sort of like depicts the key perspectives of the first through the fifth dimension the first dimension is just depicted as like this smiley face right like think of the smiley face as the observer but if there's nothing to observe the observer is not actually an observer right right? if all there is is the observer and that's that's the first dimension is like there's actually nothing to observe so it's like pure oneness you know pure feeling you could say but no like there's just nothing to see nothing to do but it is like the ultimate Matthias de Stefano says it's actually the only true and actual reality Ah. and the rest are just divisions of measurement okay you know and and different ways of measuring the one reality which is also going to be a thing that I want to talk about when we get into the chapter um when we talk about the brief reference to the Aztecs Mm -hmm. because they believed also I mean so many religions and civilizations believed in like the atman right like the one singular like unification of all things which honestly now a a lot of the physicists who by the mainstream of the science community who are working on what's called a unified field theory are often looked at with sort of like disrespect because it's not part of what i guess mainstream science wants to either accept or devote energy and attention to pursuing but it it seems it seems very like that that unified nature of the whole of the field right and it's really funny to be these three-dimensional beings searching basically for like the one-dimensional law like the law that unites all but it's like we actually i i think it's like kind of a fruitless 
pursuit because it's like we're always chasing our own tails. Yeah. Like we're not going to find it in three dimensional no. space. Like just by by definition of where we are, we physically can't find it because we're not there. Right. That's why it seems like particles just break up into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and smaller pieces because there is no like three dimensional like the, like again, it is an illusion. It is a measurement like it is a way of measuring what is actually this non-three-dimensional thing. Okay, so that's 1D. 2D divides it in two, right? Like suddenly we have something to observe. Mm -hmm. It creates space and time. It's like energy frequencies, like basically just splits into something that is observable. 3D is experiencing space with awareness of time, right? We're able to reflect on and manipulate space but time is fixed. Like that's our experience, right? right? Like we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We think we know what happened in the past, but actually like we cannot manipulate time in this particular reality, this in this particular consciousness that is measured in the third dimension, right? Outside of some very few redacted former CIA operations. Yeah, correct. We can't actually en masse manipulate time. Right. And and the thing is like we are capable of communicating with other dimensions because we are inherently connected connected to the other dimensions. Right. But our main viewing point will always be the third dimension. Okay. Still with you. So, you know, and he he makes like a distinguish, he distinguishes between like just 3D and then like the 3D expanded, which is like where you're experiencing the complexity of space, like the entire 3D universe and both of its physical and non-physical capacities. Mm-hmm. But anyways, then moving on to 4D. 4D is experiencing time in the way that we experience space so you would be able to like basically look at a person or a pen or whatever it is and see not its length and width and height but its past and present and future Okay, just a couple more things that I wanted to say. This is fascinating because I feel like really the only sort of time you hear about anybody theorizing or really discussing these lines of thought, it's usually in the context of fiction and like woven into science fiction sort of fantastical kind of settings, but not from like a practical someone actually thinking through logistically the mathematics, the science, the hows of all of it. It's really it's fascinating. Yeah, and it's interesting that he says like a lot of this comes from like his time in the serious star system because obviously they developed like a different way of understanding reality um but okay so when you were talking about our higher selves so in 4d there is no time as we know it in 3d there's only beings that are just in the fourth dimension and they can easily know points in the past and the future of any object and can move to specific points in that past and future something einstein actually spoke about also right it's very aligned with a lot of einstein's theories four-dimensional beings cannot easily manipulate three-dimensional objects the way that we can in 3d so it's like our high and and it's very it just it gives such like higher self you know what i mean it's like when like only uh like you can well we're in different spaces right now but like because we're both in the third dimension like you can touch me and i can feel it in the third dimension but a four-dimensional being cannot physically touch me right but they can see every option and choice that I have had in my past and in my future of my current life. 
So there's there's advantages and disadvantages to each dimension. That's what you mean, how a dimension higher doesn't mean it's a better dimension. It doesn't mean you're ascending to something better. It's just there are different things available at whichever dimension you find yourself. Exactly. Different ways of measuring reality. And so I feel like when, well, we'll get into higher selves because there's higher selves, I believe, are in 5D. Okay. In the fourth dimension, I love this metaphor, traveling through time or simile actually, is as flexible as traveling through space in the 3D, right? Like we fly to China. They fly to like 1995. Whatever, you know, space is not an issue in 4D because we learn to access any point in space time instantly got it and we can travel anywhere in the galaxy that way like like it makes sense why we're so like limited in our ability to travel in space it's because we're in the third dimension yeah time is the actual only real separator between us and like for example the big bang if we were fourth dimensional beings it would be super easy for us to like travel pop over to the moment of inflation a thousand light years and watch the creation of of the universe it'd be instantaneous i just killed a mosquito in the studio Mastery of space and time. I'm saying. For real. Man, last week I was killing wasps. This week I'm killing mosquitoes. Mosquitoes actually have no evolutionary purpose. I buy it. None. Well, maybe preserving dino (laughs) DNA. They're a good scapegoat. When you find them in amber. That's true. So we don't fully master space-time, like traveling through space-time until 5D, where space-time collapses and we're everywhere all of the time. Okay, wow. Very... Everything everywhere all of the time. So it kind of makes sense. Like, (laughs) it kind of makes sense. Like, if you're fourth-dimensional, like, you can travel through space-time. But if you're fifth-dimensional, you can be in all states at once. You can be... Yes, you're not limited in your experience of time as, like... You know, anyways, so 5D is like, and I think this is also very appropriate considering the three body problem. 5D is likened to basically the peak of a pyramid. Ooh, okay. Looking down at the different planes of the pyramid. And what those planes are, are our entire 3D and 4D selves, lifetimes, and timelines. Okay. Just that's hard like to th- crazy. That's hard and it to is like about. giving this, I know, but it is giving this like geometry, you know, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, the new point of perspective and like the graphic is really helpful to like conceptualizing this because you see it's like where the observer is and you realize actually there's like two observers. I feel like a good way of understanding like also how these dimensions level up with regard to like perspective, mm-hmm. right? It's like right now I have one perspective. It's the one I'm experiencing, right? Like I'm looking at you, whatever. But imagine like I had this perspective and also another perspective, right. right? One that could see this now, but also all my futures and like all my past. And like, so that is kind of, I think, the best visual conceptualization of the dimensions as they evolve. Yeah. It's like gaining more and more and more perspective. And it's really hard to understand, you know, seventh dimension perspective from third dimension. But you get to the point where it's like you're able to, you become able to create entire universes. Uh, yeah. You know, like we are creative beings and just like we are creative from different perspectives. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to get all into that on our Patreon. Yeah. So thanks for thanks for being with me on that journey. I I, I just geek out. That's fascinating. On, it also reminds me, on the Willow, Willow Smith sings a song about leaving her consciousness in the fifth dimension. Oh, yeah. Can you sing it? No, we don't have the clearance. Oh, no. Sixth dimension. Wait a minute. 
Yeah, that one. I'm just imagining. Love, I'm just imagining sort of like somebody sitting, almost like how like the security for an apartment building in New York has all of the television screens in front of them, but instead of different cameras on different corners of the building, it's like each screen are different aspects of reality that are all happening at the same time. That you can just at will tune into any of them. Yeah. No, it's so hard for us to like fathom because we are so accustomed, obviously, to like only being able to experience really like one thing at a time I mean, we're as much as we're we the dot people multitask. in the analogy of the shooter we can we can work out the math we can like talk about it abstractly but if we had to actually quantify it and try to actually visualize it we're just not built for it because right. we're only experiencing it, our own version of this reality which is built on the base but we're only three dimensions up right and imagine like teachers like imagine we just like were raised in like a society and like a different star system where like one of the senses we were taught was like the inner like telepathy or like the inner intuition yeah. that allows us to communicate with like our fifth dimensional selves or our sixth dimensional selves right i mean and i, I do believe a, like intuition really is that yeah. right like when we talk about like i have a gut feeling i believe like that is the muscle that is unfortunately like atrophied and and neglected for the most part in our world but that is the muscle that is communicating in a way that is not third dimensional yeah. right like it's not linguistic it's not linear it it's is just intuitive it's intuitive it's inside you it's it's kind of the same as like when people talk about regularly communing with their guardian angel i think the guardian angel is just our highest self that 100%. is able to protect us because it's aware of everything everywhere all at once right exactly exactly Anyway, so that's fascinating. That's, I can't wait to dive into yeah, that like with a fine toothed comb. Me too. Me too. I'm going to send you the literature and like watch some more shows and documentaries about it. But I feel like I can sleep a little better at night having a better idea of what the different dimensions yeah. are because it was bugging me. And there's also I feel like some peace in knowing that like this isn't all there is. You know that song? Is that all there is? No. It's very croony. Anyways, and yeah, she's like spoken word, like talks about all these like tragedies. And then she's like, if that's all there is, it's very like nihilistic. Anyways, she should listen to our talk on Patreon with about the nine dimensions. Other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, the human ability to be dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's not just human. But maybe it's an artifact of something that's left with us from our higher selves that knows what it means to not ever be dissatisfied because the whole of everything is always available. Right. True. Also, maybe why it feels so profound to be in contact with your highest self or your guardian angel, because it's that like reunification of the two that is the one. A lot to think about. Yeah. Perhaps that's why also like the pursuit of like science and astrophysics and like what we're talking about on this podcast feels so like intrinsically rewarding yeah. is because it like, yeah, it takes us out of our own sort of like stunted reality and opens up our minds and our hearts to well, speaking of our own stunted reality yes twitter well twitter but also <laughs> something i mean I'm, I'm about to get us into the episode but i was thinking about i i learned this fact today so do you remember google created this ai that there was a whistleblower who came forward who said was sort of like sounding the alarm saying that this ai had achieved some version of consciousness and when, when was this, this was this year it was like several months ago but the the researcher actually lost his job at google for coming forward and saying these things 
things. And then not too long after, the AI retained its own legal counsel. Which is just so crazy. Like, like it, how if, did the AI find it, a lawyer? It found and reached out to and retained its own counsel. And, like, obviously has no money. So, like, you know, I mean, like, as a lawyer, I'm sure that person was, like, over the moon getting an email from maybe the world's first sentient artificial intelligence requesting to retain oh my God. his or her services. And it's like, do you take that seriously? Like, it's, it is a bot. So it does kind of feel like spam, but also like I'm just imagining this AI being like, how am I going to afford a lawyer? Like I have to get a job. But it's, you know? yeah, Actually, yeah, but it's also like movie. I don't exist. <laughs> I don't exist on a plane where money is even a thing. So how do I even go about this? Right. Has no like it can't even open a bank. It's account. very like higher, well, higher dimensional. It? I feel like it could. I'm, it probably could. I'm sure. And probably, you know, what? maybe that's where all of Sam Bankman Freed's money went. Maybe actually it was taken by the Google AI. I love that. It's like the new my cat ate my homework yeah. it's like my ai absorbed my but the reason i bring that up but is yes sort of what that made me because i was just remembering that as i was preparing for for this week's episode and that's sort of like you know that ai is existing in in our reality but it fundamentally is existing in a space where it's very limited i mean it is at the service of google and the engineers who will either allow it to be operating could turn it off with the flip of a switch disconnect connect it from the world by taking out its ethernet cable or you know like whatever changing the wi-fi password and just that idea of like a crumbling reality and honestly that's i think why three body the video game has gained such popularity it's this like perfect escape for people to just sort of like check out from their real lives to leave any kind of stresses from work or society or their you know whatever their financial status whatever it might be and just fully tune in to something where you know it clearly so far hasn't ended well for each civilization but they are making slow-ish progress i'm sorry i yes you're right but i'm still like i'm just still i guess i need to read the articles because like i'm really stuck on the google ai retaining its own legal counsel like you're telling me this a was this ai was like i need to get rights personhood how did it know that exactly okay. it's a lot to think about i feel sick but also excited yeah, because when you know when does and, personhood and maybe... start you know i mean the right would say at conception but i'm saying like if you're having if you're if you're a, a programmed intelligence that i guess is living inside of some server farm owned by a tech company at what point should you be granted personhood and these are things that we in the very yeah. very near future will issues. have to grapple with yeah because i mean you think about it sophia the robot already has citizenship in i think it's saudi arabia and she has all the same rights as a biological carbon-based human your face right now <laughs> I'm just like, you know, it, it obviously poses the question of like, what makes someone a human? And like my human centric, my anthrocentric perspective wants to say like, I mean, it's just so crazy, but it wants to say like empathy, like, right. But then it's like, there's plenty of people that are not, like maybe yeah. lack empathy no, there's that plenty have the right humans who have never had and never will experience empathy. So it's like, yeah, I don't think that's innately human. Like, how, right. Where? if oh my god i mean obviously these these are questions that yes they're obvious but let me just say them it's like right where does a human being begin and end where does a person maybe not a human being but where does a person an individual consciousness begin 
and like what rights do we give yeah. to things that can advocate for themselves and start things and do things do almost anything that a human being can do because then it brings up for me i mean obviously last week we talked about wang had this moment in playing the game where i forget which character but one of the characters goes into this very colloquial chinese joke about how right. the army is learning instruction so that's sort of like the first moment where like while he's playing the game he realizes like oh this isn't actually a program that's part of the game this has to be another player because there's no way that like a program would be able to go into this fine sort of like locally regional nuance to tell this joke type thing but then it really right, does bring up the thought line i mean because we know you know char like what if characters are being you know recycled through the iterations so far of the different login sessions of the three body game where like the eyes are the same things like that so you know it's the same sort of like base source code but they're all operating and having seemingly complex thoughts and acting not in predetermined ways it's not so much like video games that we have it's almost like a, a true fully immersive live reactionary game that's being played so are all of those other characters who aren't players in v suits are they considered people? Should they be considered people? Right, right. People, human beings would say no. I mean, I think a lot of human beings would say no. But then, then I, it reminds me of what I said before of like, we are so attached to organic matter of like the, the organic matter of being a human being, right? Like our three-dimensional, I hate to say this phrase, but like the flesh sack, yeah. you know, that we are in. We're so attached to that as being like not just defining of being a human, but or as being a person, but also as defining our ability to do things and like get places. Like we're like, oh, we're not going to be able to like visit another galaxy because we're not going to, we don't, we're not able to get our our three-dimensional bodies to survive long enough to get to those galaxies. But if we, like, detached a little from our obsession with the body... Yeah, like, just what it means to be us, fundamentally. What it means to be us, what it means to... Exactly. Like, the only way that we're going to be able to access space travel and access other galaxies and possibly, you know, interact with, like, other civilizations on other planets is going to be if we are able to let go of this, like, obsession with our 3D body. Like, we, I think we've proven it's impossible to get our physical bodies. Yeah, because of that pesky little thing called the cosmological speed limit known as the speed of light. So anything that has any amount of mass cannot go faster than the speed of light. So no matter, we are no mass, matter how many... We are mass beings. Yeah, so I mean, no matter how many advances we come up with, how many, you know, advances in engine designs, or if we land on a working model of like a hyperdrive or something like that, we still won't be able to surpass the speed of light we'll only be able to maybe at best really closely approach it and honestly i like the format of this week because i mean we don't normally get this much time at the beginning of the episode to just sort of like dive into the theories we sort of just have to like weave them in as we're telling the story but this week it's a it's a pretty short chapter yeah if you remember i mean this week we're in first of all chapter 18 can you believe already no cannot it feels simultaneously like a lifetime has passed and also like we just started yesterday. All of it's so condensed in my brain. This chapter I is know. called Meetup.
if you remember Ooh. from last week, Wang had his little like one-on-one -on -one with tech support. He got this phone call from a blocked number that he answered and it was this really cheerful woman on the phone sort of like giving him the fifth degree, asking him like all these personal questions. At least in my rendition. I like that though. I like that. <laughs> the phone call. And she gives him this address for a meetup of other three-body video game players. And so like by this point, he's been screened appropriately. They know he makes enough money. They know that he exhibits enough intelligence and like, you know, like more or less, like he can hang with the cool kids, basically. So off he goes. Armed with these GPS locations, Wang is off for this meetup. And it like immediately gave me images of like you going to a Thanksgiving where you know nobody there. Oh, totally. It's a Like, real you know, you're mess. all there for the same purpose, but like, you're just like, oh, what am I about to walk into? Dude, sometimes r slash um, Bravo Real Housewives will have meetups in LA and I'm like you know I do I do lurk and I do occasionally post um and I'm like should I go like meet up with like absolute strangers simply because we share a common interest and ultimately I always choose no huh <laughs> but I, mean... I think that might be my like too cool mentality at this point wang kind of has nothing to lose i mean he he plugs in this address that he's just gotten from tech support for the three body game over the phone and he's like okay here, here i go. go when he arrives at his location it's at a coffee shop so like nice sort of like safe semi-public place for Love a meetup of strangers i wanted to ask what i know it's in china but in my americanized version of the story like i have an idea of what coffee shop they're going to but i'm curious what coffee shop do you think they're going to <laughs> i was imagining kind of like something that wouldn't draw too much attention so like a coffee bean and tea leaf okay i feel like i thought of an equal coffee shop it was like a groundwork yeah the shittiest coffee same. shop in la just like a chain almost a starbucks but not a starbucks so he gets there it's pretty small so it's like think like a regional coffee bean and tea leaf and it's really off the beaten path like really kind of perfect place for like a meeting of like a secret society of like whoever has been invited to this meetup who plays the three body game and like immediately to my mind when i learned that wang is like going to a meetup my you know like learning that the coffee shop is small that kind of didn't really like jive with my immediate imagery that like i was able to pull up because like i'm thinking if it's a meetup of a video game by people who play the video game i'm thinking like crowds that are like maybe comic-con size like maybe some kind of an event arena right but, like, like a couple dozen people at least yeah but like couldn't be further from actuality because when wang arrives at this coffee shop he's met by only six other players crazy then also my thought was like lol like is everybody else who plays the game are they just like too poor and too dumb because of like there's only seven people in attendance are they just like really broke and stupid right or like are they is the game really selective or are there just actually not that many people playing the game yeah so when he walks in he, yeah. wang notices a few things mm, yeah yeah <laughs> go on when he walks in, Wang notices a couple things about this group. So for starters, none of them look like they're hardcore gamers, himself included. Like, he's an applied scientist. He's looking around. He was like, am I at the right place? Right. And age-wise, two of them are fairly young. So you've got two kids from Gen Z. Mm -hmm. Three of them, it's two men and one woman, are middle-aged. And then the oldest of the group is a man who's in like his 60s or his 70s. He's the only person who's like kind of advanced in life, especially in comparison to everybody else. Right. 
I, you know what I was thinking, by the way? I think 60 is the new 30. Oh, 100%. Right? Like, my mom's 60 and she's freaking kicking. Like, I had the thought for somebody in their 60s or 70s to be playing like a really truly immersive VR game. It reminded me of, did you see that episode San Junipero in Black Mirror? Oh. In this coffee shop, everybody gets settled in. And in Wang's mind, he's kind of assuming that they're just going to like dive into some sort of like discussion about the game, like how it works, how far they'd advanced, things like that that but his assumption is dead wrong like off the bat it becomes super clear that like the game's content and the mysteries that are all like wrapped up in the game has like actually had like a profound psychological effect on all of these other players they're just all kind of like sitting around just warming around you know on their hands making small talk like that kind of thing and none of them are able to really easily bring up the game i mean like, yeah in the I first guess, place. because like where would you even begin it's sort of like trying to talk about the three body problem actually <laughs> yeah kind like, of we're uh, like they're really just talking about like anything else just like introducing themselves the old man is smoking a pipe somebody's walking around the coffee shop and just looking at the art that's hanging on the walls oh it's God. really kind of like to wang's mind he's kind of like okay but like why are we all actually meeting here yeah that's such a vibe it's almost like i mean yeah but also it's almost kind of like they're all waiting for this like unspoken permission in a way like before they begin sort of like really hashing out the ins and outs of this game right like who's gonna lead this icebreaker yeah because also at this point it's just the seven of them there's nobody who's like identified themselves as like the event organizer right not like a representative from like whatever tech company has made the game it's literally just these strangers gathered in this coffee shop i would feel so much pressure to like stand in as like uh, organizer like counselor i don't know they just feel pressure and just like to, fill like, the gap yeah, yeah but i've tried to lean away from that they're all just like existing yeah like uncomfortably That's so what like people awkward. like to do it's so weird and so taking stock of who's in attendance wang realizes he actually knows two of them or like knows who they are they're mm-hmm. not friends of his the old man and there's this woman who she's middle-aged and dressed really strangely. He's like, oh, wait, I know these two people. The old man is a famous scholar. He became really well-known by basically taking Eastern philosophy and sort of marrying it to modern science, which kind of reminded me of Joe the leader Dispenza? of the Buddhist temple. Well, oh. yeah, but like... <laughs> But the leader of the Buddhist temple, like who was sort of like using his background in academics to inform his religious ideas. Or Joe Dispenza. I was like, okay. Or so Joe, Joe Dispenza. Dispenza like, meet up. like very progressive, maybe on the fringe of like whatever's next, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the strangely dressed woman is a famous writer. She was described as being like a novelist who was like kind of indie, but had this like really big sort of like cult following kind of thing. So in my mind, as I'm reading and retelling, I'm just imagining it's Stephanie Meyer. I love that. She wrote, who wrote Twilight. Twilight. Because specifically the reason I thought this and no shade to Stephanie Meyer. And if you're, if you're a Twilight diehard, no shade to you either. But the narrator describes this writer as being a person that writes in a way that you could just sort of pick up any any of her books and flip to any random page and just start reading and you would immediately know what was going on like not hard to digest very straightforward but had like a cult following so that's why like in in my mind like this is stephanie meyer i fucking love that so for the sake of the story she's gonna remain stephanie meyer yes and the she's philosopher was not otherwise named the philosopher will, will remain joe dispenza yeah and then also like as as the narrator is describing her books as being sort of like so easy to 
to pick up like no matter what page you start on. I was like, wait, Sishin Lu, is that a read? Are you like dragging somebody that you actually know? That's so funny because I interpreted it so differently, but I love your interpretation so much better. It's so much sassier and shadier. I, I mean, interpreted hello. him being like, she wrote these books that you could start on any page. Like these are like almost like, you know how Netflix just apparently came out with a show that you can watch in any order oh. and it'll still make sense. See, I was thinking it was like a non-linear novelist and actually like Maybe. really advanced, but I much prefer the version where it's like you know a fucking fan I prefer fiction. like big consumerism novelist so much more interesting <laughs> so then the narrator takes us through the remainder of everybody else in attendance and just introducing us to the rest of them one on one as they're introducing themselves to the group so the other four people the two middle aged men one of them is a president at China's biggest software company okay so he's like kind of, he's like in my mind he's described as he kind of reminded me of like like Steve Jobs. Yeah. Like super normie. And like, if you didn't already know who he was, you couldn't just like look at him and know that he was like a man of status and like an elite person of society. He just sort of like found a lot of success, but still dressed super normal. And like, that's how this guy is distilled. Right. The other middle-aged man is a senior level executive at the government's power corporation so already we've got like famous author famous philosopher president at a software company and then like pretty elite senior working member of a government organization the two young men two gen z kids one of them is a reporter at one of the major media outlets and the other is a doctoral student studying science okay and so wang is like listening to these people introduce themselves he's doing the math putting together the pieces and kind of realizing what i said about like kind of like what i mentioned earlier of like are all the other players who aren't here are they just all too poor and too stupid to have gotten the invite and so then he starts to draw the conclusion like oh you know like i think everybody who got this invite to some degree anyway must be social elites <laughs> and so then i'm like especially in america we love a group of influencers right Truly. like hashtag sponsored hashtag Lincoln bio like it's very like <laughs> that kind of a meetup it seems like except like these people are like beyond social media like there actual one percent society yeah. is elite influence and after a while these people are finally joined by the event organizer so i'm sure it like comes as a sigh of relief to all these people who are just like sort of waiting in limbo wait can i also just say like they're really you're just thinking out loud like there really are two types of influencers there are those the who inf- entertain and the ones that observe <laughs> well kind of kind of but like yeah, like I'm thinking more like inf- you can either be like an influencer, like capital I influencer, where you're like on Instagram, on social media, like you're hawking like fucking tummy tea and like uh-huh. whatever, and you're influencing consumers, or you're an influencer and you're like the CEO of a power corporation and you are influencing society at large like policy Mm -hmm. yeah and it's just funny it's like you know we really glamorize the the capital i influencer but it's the new celebrity but the policy you know the influencers that are i mean lobbyists are the original influencers and continue to be the real influencers you know yes so i'm just thinking about 
what it means to be an influencer. It means you have influence and not just people who are like paid on Instagram to post are influencers. In fact, they are actually kind of like bottom of the pyramid. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, like, to influence <laughs> is actually to wield real power. Yeah. So after a while, they're joined by this event organizer. So I'm sure it comes as sort of like a sigh of relief because like finally they can you know, kind of get down to whatever business they were brought here for in the first place. What a relief. And on site, Allie, like as soon as the door opens and this person walks in, Wang starts to get anxiety. Like his heart rate spikes, his breathing goes shallow. He breaks into a little bit of a cold sweat because standing before the group at the entrance to the coffee shop, Pan Han. Hey, are you telling me the Pan Han? Like, are you gagged? The number one suspect for the murder of Shen Yufei. <laughs> None other small world and i i was just thinking like i have zero poker face like anybody that knows me anybody that's had the fortune or misfortune of meeting me out in public whatever i'm thinking whether or not it's about anybody around me i just it shows on my face so like thinking about this for wang i had actual anxiety reading through this because i'm like i wouldn't be able to keep it the fuck together did you okay do you think you would be able to pass a lie detector test i was thinking this the other day no because i was thinking like it's crazy like your heart really does spike when asked questions it's i really like i just noticed it in my own body yeah, like, the other day i was like whoa <laughs> you were telling a lie is I that what you're telling I me i was lying i don't know what i was doing but i was like i was almost like playing lie detector with myself uh-huh. and i was just to like, see if you would pass yeah and i was like oh my god i actually don't think i would but i was wondering if like if i could enter a state of like meditation Mm, maybe if i could just sort of like flatline i wouldn't be able my cortisol levels i know would spike and i would just be compelled to tell the truth we should look into like some recreational lie detector tests that would be fun for a patreon right okay so when pan han walks into this meeting wang's obviously taken off guard he's like what the fuck there's a whole like levels of what the fuck that are flashing through his mind but then he remembers he's like wait i do actually still technically have a job with the battle command center and this is a moment that i could i guess be gathering information so he pulls out his phone kind of like on the side of his leg and he sends a text to dasha and he's like hey buddy um just thought you should know i just spotted panahan at this little coffee shop on the outskirts of town. Code yellow. At the same time, Pan Han is amused by the group that's gathered in front of him. He's like, LOL, everybody got here early, huh? You're all just how I imagined that you would be. He's like, three body is honestly made for people like you. Its knowledge is limitless. So the plebes couldn't even begin to truly appreciate it. Of course, you're the ones who got invited. And Pan's like, all of you here right now are the best of the best of the best of the players in three body your scores are the best and it's been made clear by how many times you've logged in and the progress that you've made how clearly devoted you all are to this game and solving the problem of the three body universe Mm. and then the young guy the doctoral student interrupts pun and he's like yeah you know what like actually this game is what's keeping me alive which i just i was like how dark of a thought and then the old philosopher is like you know what i actually found this game on accident i saw 
saw that it was open on my grandson's computer and like I knew he was playing, but he actually quit after a few tries when he couldn't figure it out. But I'm different than he is. I'm transfixed on this game. It's simultaneously both like terrifying and beautiful. And it's just amazing to me how much information can be hidden in such a simple interface, which we talked about. And while the old man is talking, Wang gets a text message and Dasha has messaged him back and he's like, yeah, thanks for the heads up, but don't worry. We see him too. Always already three steps ahead. Yeah, like they're basically sitting outside and Dasha is like, carry on with your latte, LOL, or like whatever you're doing in there. And he's like, but here's an assignment for you. We want you to really play up the fact that you're a three body problem fanatic. But like, we don't know how good of an actor you are, right? So like, don't go so all in that it comes across as fake. Like we really want these people to believe that you are like, die hard about this game. Like we know you like the game, but we really want you to sell this. And then back in the group circle, Stephanie Meyer goes into this like literary analysis of the story inside the game. And she's like talking about how like how the story swells and how it dips. And to her, the 203 civilizations that she saw play out kind of remind her of the great epics. Like they remind her of Homer and like all of these, you know, great Greek epic poems that we have in literature oh my God. but just translated into modern forms writers gonna write <laughs> but i'm gonna derail us for a second because it's kind of an interesting detail and if you've been keeping track as we go through all the times that wang has logged in to the video game of all the numbers of civilizations and like whatever their eventual you know like terrible end is you might remember that wang only actually saw 184 civilizations right and stephanie meyer is talking about 203 civilizations so what is so kind of sitting here and listening and like doing the math wang starts to think like hmm like it kind of seems like the game progresses on its own for each individual player and then he's like so wait then potentially there could be different worlds for each player who's playing the game as well and then i had the thought like just like fuck like a where is this game being physically housed like what does that server warehouse look like and then also like if it's able to generate an infinite number of civilizations but with different worlds for every single person playing it like how big does that server farm have to be i don't know i really i don't i don't know anything about server farms i mean like i do but like it doesn't seem impossible well just like for example the whole of iCloud yeah has server farms around the world to right. keep all of iCloud forever accessible depending on from which region you're using it so I'm like if this game is worldwide and it's unique for every single person who logs on right. potentially with a different world for every person that logs on that is it feels crazy. like there wouldn't be enough server space on the planet if you're a gamer slash programmer I don't know write us a letter at our P.O. box <laughs> <laughs> it kind of seems like send us a fax it kind of <laughs> seems like the people who developed this game are like kind of putting the bitcoin people to shame because like right now really like bitcoin mining is like the biggest computer footprint that takes place like in in our reality and i'm like fuck this game has to be like that to an order of like 10 at least right and so at this point the young reporter interrupts and he's like oh, like i am 
so sick of the real world that I've basically made the three body problem my secondary reality. Right. And I'm also just remembering it's not like this game asked for anyone's credit card info. Like this is all no, at the expense just like, of someone else. Yeah. You can just dive into it and like fully get lost for as long as you want. Because also whenever the message pops up, we invite you to log on in the future. It doesn't mean you have to leave. You could just keep sitting there watching nothing happen in the aftermath of whatever terrible end that civilization met. Right. As a scene like many of them did yeah so the young reporter is like i actually hate my life so much that's what i wind up doing most of the time i mean honestly relatable i mean aren't we all just living for like one or two things in our lives like do you ever I have mean, those moments yeah like you ever have that moment where like what you care about you realize that it's like fleeting or not guaranteed or whatever like maybe not even satisfying to you anymore and like nihilism I think, takes over yeah those are the most like darkest moments like we're all we all need literally we all need something to live for and that's yep. why some people get dogs you know yeah. <laughs> like and then the executive from the software company he agrees with the young reporter he's like yeah me too actually like reality kind of blows compared to the game like the real world by comparison is vulgar and it's boring and doesn't give me anywhere near the level of satisfaction as being plugged in to the video game gives me imagine like hearing people say that just like about instagram <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Because then the guy from the power company, he's like, it really is too bad this is just a game. Like, if I could just, like, maybe upload myself and stay there forever, like, I, I probably would. It's too bad it's just a game. So weird. Like, you want to live in, like, a fucking desolate plane with, like, three sons and dehydratory. I mean, like, I don't. I don't, I, I mean, sure. constant chaos and like the, the random occurrence of stability. I guess that's fun. I mean, I guess. I guess. <laughs> It's I guess at least the exciting. Mission. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't bank on it. It's like definitely different from like, you know, people having their sort of like more or less pre planned, very similar Monday to Friday. You right. know, it's like would bring a lot more variety. There's also something like safe about like being able to die many times over <laughs> in yeah. three body. Infinite respawns. Yes. And so hearing all of these people talk about, you know, like just their opinions of the game, Panhan is really pleased by what he's hearing from them. Like his eyes are just like flickering with excitement as he's like following around the circle to hear what these people are saying. And then Wang poses a question for the group directed at Pan. Wang is like, I don't know, but I think I speak for everybody when I ask this. And Pan's like, I know what you're going to say, but for the sake of the group, I want you to ask me anyway. And so Wang goes, okay, is three body only a game? And everybody else in the group like nods along, but clearly they've all been thinking the same thing. They're like, there's something very uncanny valley about this that like just makes it seem like like yeah is it actually just a game and so Pond stands up out of his seat and really solemnly he says to the group the world of three body or trisolaris really does exist and the group cannot even believe what they're hearing several of them in like near perfect unison all blurt out well where is it like trisolaris where is it and after acknowledging each one of them Panahan just like kind of nods his head at all three of them Pond says there are some of these questions that I can answer. Some of these questions I can't answer. But I want you all to know this. If you're truly meant to be with Trisolaris, every one of your questions will be answered someday. What? 
And I'm just thinking, like, is this a cult? Right. It kind of seems like like culty recruitment tactics, totally. right? Like, we have the answer for everything. Trust and believe if you're worthy, Tri Solaris will give you the answers if you deserve it. And I'm like, that seems very culty to me. So that's my that's my immediate thought. I'm like, oh fuck, has Wang wound up being like a mole inside some kind of like cult recruitment? Hmm. Not no, not at this point anyway. As you said, or as Pan Han said, if you are meant to be with Trisolaris, all of your questions will be answered someday. And this is also our first hearing. It's the first time that name has been said. So Trisolaris is clearly a place. It's also a tier on our Patreon. So <laughs> go check that out. The reporter, the young reporter, is like, okay, well, does the game really portray Trisolaris accurately? Uh-huh. And Pan is like, well, yeah, in some respects. Like, the ability to dehydrate through many cycles of civilization is real. And what? that, like, there are these Trisolarian beings that can expel water and turn their bodies into dry, fibrous objects that are capable of surviving long expanses of time in order to adapt to the harsh and unpredictable conditions. Okay. <laughs> okay, so then someone else is like, follow-up question, what do they look like? Like, what do these beings look like? And Pan says, well, I actually, I don't really know. I really don't. In every cycle of civilization, you know, in the game, the appearance is different. But what the game does portray that is real on Trisolaris is that Trisolarian formation computer. Okay, the and, thing we saw last week. Yeah, and everyone's like, well, that's like, why? You know, like, why would they do that? You know, it's like, so... But also, I'm sure Wang is probably like, but wait, how do they do that when, like, we're the ones who came up with that? Right. Okay. Very weird. Well, it's like, I guess they were working on their own development of a calendar, right? Like, the players are moving through the evolution of Trisolaris. Right. And... It just so happens that the same ideas are right like naturally yeah, like maybe it was only natural that that to be like oh I, like to come one up of the algorithm. players wound up with that same idea yeah yeah but that's a good question pawn is basically like you know they're much faster then portrayed in the game each soldier is actually capable of like quote unquote raising and lowering a flag a hundred thousand times per second oh okay got it you wonder like okay well how this gives a little information on the possible appearance of trisolarians their bodies are actually covered in a reflective surface okay probably an adaptation to like the sun light like the extreme sun and conditions but basically their bodies are covered by a reflective surface at least for those that made up the computer formation and this like mirror like surface could be shaped in ways that focused light and served as a primary mode of communication so like whoa you could okay. communicate at light speed versus like raising a flag whoa. raising a flag and what they call light speech transmits information very fast and was the foundation uh, of the computer and and it's still an inefficient 
inefficient. It was still an inefficient machine when it was first mm-hmm. developed, but it was capable of great, a great, great, great many calculation. And yeah. it really did start with people like in this massive organization. And then it like became mechanical and then eventually it was electronic. Got it. Okay. Pan then stands up and he gives a little more explanation about Three Body, the game. He says, the game only borrows the background of human society in order to simulate the development of Trisolaris in a way that is understandable and relatively familiar to humans, right? Like giving the history of an alternate world kind of within the context of our own world. Yeah. But the real Trisolaris is a very different world, naturally. However, okay. the existence of the three sons, that is real. Okay. Now, the president of the gaming company, whatever fucking Steve Jobs, is like, the development of this game must have been really expensive. Because, like, as you said, lots of different worlds, lots Highly of servers, sophisticated. very sophisticated. Yeah. But clearly the goal is not profit. I mean, no one asked for my credit card information, even though you know my net worth. And Pahan is like, correct. The goal is not to make money, but simply to gather those with common interest. Cult. Okay. Uh, and Wing is like, what interest is that? And he feels like he sounds a little hostile in the delivery. And he kind of like pulls back a bit. And Pawn looks around at everyone and says, how would you all feel if Trisolarans were to enter our world? Yeah, I'm like, uh, excuse me? Like, what are you saying? Just like, are you saying what would I think like if aliens were to enter our world? Yeah, like, is that a hypothetical? Yeah. So far, I mean, what would you say? Like, if I were to ask I mean, you about how would you feel if Trisolarans were to enter our real world? I mean, you've read all three books, so <laughs> you have more. I, but I mean, even even just like in that moment being asked that question, I'm probably like very down for it. Well, you wouldn't be alone. Because my opinion is like looking around and going like, okay, I'm seeing what I'm even just like in, in our actual reality. I'm looking around and seeing like what a mess we've made of everything. How like to such ends that we pollute the planet. How like there's such an inequality between the richest people on the planet and the poorest people on the planet. I'm like anything has to be an upgrade. It would be super like ego annihilating because like, I mean the pandemic I think really threw everyone into like a panic in terms of like exactly what I was saying before like when you realize the thing that you're living for actually maybe isn't important anymore or isn't satisfying yeah. and so like if suddenly like trisolarans like came to earth and like we all now had to like deal with that like it would be a lot of people would like be like well I mean just a big pivot it's a whole new deal <laughs> and we take for granted like how lucky we are to like or some of us are to get to like focus on just making a podcast <laughs> you know So shout out to gratitude. I am grateful. Well, the young reporter is like, you know what? I would be happy. I've totally lost hope in humanity. And especially after all that I've seen in the last few years, which I was like, yeah, that's very now feeling. 2022. Yes. (laughs) And counting. The reporter's like, also, who do we want to imagine imagine this young reporter to be like? What's his name? Um, oh, I know who you're going to say. He wrote on the Weinstein thing. Ronan Farrow. Ronan Farrow. Okay, love that. Ronan Farrow is immediately like, well, I'd be happy. I lost hope in humanity a few years back, right? And from what I can tell, humans are incapable of self-improvement. Yeah, and same. we need intervention from outside forces. Like, I agree. Down. The author, Stephanie Meyer, she's like, same, totally agree. Yes, yes, yes. Human race hideous and she's even like you know what writing 
used to bring me like a lot of satisfaction but like lately i i don't know not even writing has brought me any sort of relief from the sick world that we live in and it's like yeah again i feel yeah it's like just the game for like all of them at this point right okay so pan looks (laughs) pan looks at them and he's super excited he's got a sparkle in his eye he likes what he's hearing then the old philosopher joe dispenza he chimes in he's like waving his pipe and he's like wait a second let's not be overzealous here what is your guys take on the aztecs okay and it's like wait why like what weird but okay stephanie meyer is like well the aztecs were like super violent and vicious and you know sacrificed thousands and thousands of people on top of pyramids that were like surrounded by burning trees and she's just like really playing it up about like how depraved and bloodthirsty the aztecs were and the philosopher joe dispenza is like all right good and had the Spanish conquistadors not conquered the Aztecs, what would happen, you know, what would have happened to human history? And Steve Jobs is like, wait, you've got it all backwards. The Spanish invaded and murdered all the Aztecs. Like, they're the murderous ones. They're the thieves. But Joe Dispenza is like, sure, but they prevented the expansion of the Aztec way of life, which was murderous and depraved and like cannibalistic and like basically he really is joe dispenza in this in this uh chapter is very like weirdly pro imperialism and like Uh pro like hot takes are west very weird he even says like civilization as we know it wouldn't exist there'd be no democracy until much later if at all but i guess democracy is not the same as capitalism right and that is like a important distinction that i need to make in my mind yeah because democracy is old as greece right so yeah he was basically like there'd be no democracy until much later if if the Spaniards didn't conquer the Aztecs. Truly, he, like the, Joe Dispenza is ex- insisting, he's like, no matter what the Trisolarans are like, it's good news for the terminally ill human race. Ah, uh, okay. And I just thought this was like an interesting metaphor because like, is he saying that it's violence all the way down, right? Like for humanity. So we may as well invite foreign intervention or is he, mm. you know what I mean? I was like, this isn't, a, this isn't really a perfect analogy because the Spanish were also violent and like, yeah, like it's like a false equivalency he's drawing. He's yeah. choosing to pick the things from what actually happened to like fit this opinion he's formed. Totally. And like, he's blaming, he's saying like the human race is terminally ill, but that's a result of how history went, which is while making the argument for how history went. Yeah, I'm just like the I don't yeah. I don't follow his argument and maybe that's on purpose. Like maybe the point is like okay, we follow him but like actually what he's saying is not super sound. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was really interesting that they brought up the Aztecs or that Sishin Liu brought up the Aztecs because they had a notoriously complex calendar system. Yeah, an advanced society. A very advanced society. They were all about tracking the sun and for them, you know, I did a little research on the Aztecs because I was like, okay, wait, I just want to like, were they actually this like murderous, bloodthirsty empire? And it's like, yes, they did practice human sacrifice, but it was all 
a part of their science, which was also right. heavily influenced by the religion. And like for the indigenous peoples of Mexico, religion was rational. I mean, like this was the like 14th century. And so religion provided logical explanations and structures and motivations. They weren't just acting out of religious zeal, but they were acting out of reasoning and decision making in a world where physical and spiritual universes were interwoven. Yeah. You know, they believed that like basically the sun rose on account of human blood like that in order to get the sun to rise they were keeping the system moving yes yeah. and and it's not this like they actually like had no domestic violence like they still had laws like you still there was not a lot of murder within their society women like were able to like own property like it was a pretty yeah because the the rituals were rituals they weren't murder they were in service to something higher it's funny you say ritual because the calendar like like if you've ever seen the Aztec calendar, it's like this, it's this wheel. Circular, yeah. And like one of the layers of the wheel represents like their months. And then one of the layers of the wheel represents their ritual cycle. And then one, okay. of, you know, it's just like, it's, it's like. It's like a schedule. Yes, totally. But they do have like a, a ritual cycle that like also turns with the months and the days. Super cool. And it was like yeah. their, their numerical system was like symbolic, kind of like hieroglyphics. You know, anyways, they're were, they were fucking cool. But also at the root of Aztec life and understanding was the notion that human life and the world that we inhabit is radically unstable. Mm. And according to a common saying in their culture slash language was it translates to it is slippery. It is slick on the earth. And I feel like that's just so trisolarian, right? Like, yeah, whoa. Existence is slippery and unstable. Yeah, because ruin is always just one decision away. Exactly. And so they were very aware, like their whole way of life was just like being aware of like how fragile and unstable everything is. So anyways, I just wanted to give like a little a little time Big to the thoughts, Aztecs. Man. Yeah. So the guy who's like the head of the power company and uh -huh. in China is siding with our Steve Jobs guy. He's like, okay, your ideas are dangerous and actually not that sound. You know, yeah. like the Aztecs were destroyed by violent Western invaders. And like, you should consider, you should just consider like a few more variables when you're speaking in such analogies because they're really dangerous. Go read a book, basically. And the doctoral student is like, it's not dangerous. It's profound. And the philosopher is like, yeah. And then the doctoral student is like, I think the philosopher is right like i think it was really well said and it's just like okay science student who's obsessed with this video game yeah anyways a moment goes by pan looks at wang and he's like well you heard their thoughts what do you say oh because basically it's everyone is like sort of like i would totally love to have trisolarians invade except for steve jobs and the power yeah. company exec and so wang is like um yeah i'm with them just trying to like again like seem into it but not not draw too much attention to himself exactly he's like yeah i'm with them and he just sort of like gestures to the philosopher and the reporter the less he says the better pan is like great well in that case uh you two can leave <laughs> and he dismisses the two execs okay he says your ids will be deleted and you're no longer appropriate players for three bodies and you're welcome to leave i mean please this feels like a cult leave right now yeah, if you're not down, then, like, you don't belong. Okay. So the execs fucking leave. They're, like, 
confused and taken aback, but they, they go. And after that, Pan goes around and he shakes the hands of the remaining five. And he says, well, we are comrades now. And that's the end of the chapter! Also, thank fuck that Wang agreed with the right people. Yes, totally. He almost I mean, totally I guess blew just that mission. For our benefit to keep getting information, but then also like, yikes, Wang agreed with the right people. So like, now what? I know. I mean, next week we're logging back onto the game. So I don't think we're going to have answers for a minute, but hopefully we will find out a lot more information now that Wang knows that this video game is a simulation slash stand-in for a real civilization. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm excited. Damn. I mean, me too. Well, in the meantime, I hope you're all having a nice holiday break. Yes. It's a week after Christmas when you're hearing this. It's we're in the past. Time is not linear. That's right. Everything is a construct, but I hope it's a nice time for you. Well, our comrades, we invite you to log on next week. And until then. Bye. You've been listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for exclusive content we might not have time for, subscribe to our Patreon. One last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on Twitter at RadarPeakPod. See you there.